We're in Philippians chapter 4. We're continuing our study through the book of Philippians. We're coming closer to the end. Chapter 4 we begin today. Philippians chapter number 4. When I was growing up, my mother said certain little phrases to me in an attempt to educate me about life. She was usually correcting my behavior when I needed it. But more than that, she was trying to teach me how to live life, how to cope, what attitudes to have to make life go down a smoother path. And some of her phrases were common ones that you've heard. Other phrases were of her own creating. She used to say all the time, a stitch in time saves nine. I never knew what that meant when I was a kid. Uh, uh, or don't keep wearing those pants when they have a small tear running and jumping around. Tell me, I'll stitch him up before it turns into a major rip. Stitch in time, she ate nine, she said. You weren't going to get anything new. Whatever you had was going to get sewn. And she was really not a good seamstress. She would sew on a button of my pants, hand them back to me, and say, well, good luck with that. <laughs> if I ever whined a little, and if I ever said, I can't do that, she immediately replied, can't, never could. Or in other words, if you go around saying, I can't, you'll never accomplish anything because can't, never could. She had another one, whenever we went to visit someone, before we went into their house, she turned around in the front seat of the car and addressed the three of us in the back seat. And she would say, children are to be seen and not heard. Which means you will not speak when you're in there unless you are first spoken to. And after, when people were talking, especially adults, if we came into the room, I remember she said this to me many times, you come in the room when the adult's talking and you're trying to hear what they say, she would look at me and say, little pictures have big ears. Or in other words, get out, don't be so nosy, it's not your business. Little pictures have big ears. <laughs> Now sometimes, you know how we were, we gave our opinions, especially when we tried to make a big deal out of giving our opinions to prove we were right. And she would sit quietly and listen, and then when you thought you'd made your big point and said everything there was to say, she'd just look at you and say, are you finished? <laughs> Which meant, I have no intention of following your advice so you can stop giving it any time. <laughs> so we got our instructions. Don't procrastinate. Don't whine. Keep your place. Mind your own business. And uh, keep your opinions to yourself. That's all useful advice for life, children and grown-ups. My wife ran a daycare in the house behind ours for quite a few years. And not very often, but occasionally, I would stop for a visit. She was constantly giving life advice to the children. Toys are not for throwing across the room. 
I heard that one several times. If you need to cry, go in the other room and come out when you're finished. Which kind of speeded the whole process along. We do not treat our friends that way. That's a good one. (laughs) Use your words. Eat what's on your plate. A host of other instructions. We all need life instructions. They're very good for children, but adults certainly need them too. We can use good instructions about life. In our text today, Paul has in it some life instructions. And Paul often added little bits of instruction toward the end of his letters. Last week we saw chapter 3, Paul said the perfect thing for you to do is to live your life for the Lord, use your life energy in the cause of Jesus, don't live life in a narrow, self-centered way, live for Jesus, live large, reach for the goal and win the prize. So now in chapter 4, you give us a little guidance on how to live that large, useful life. So we begin Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Will you listen to him? <laughs> How sweet and kind he is. He says, you're dear to me. I'd love to be with you. You make me happy. You'll be my crown when I get to heaven. So, my dear ones, he says. He's really pouring it on, isn't he? He's really pouring it on. Yes, and he means every word of it. There are a few writings that come from antiquity that were not in the Bible that have survived. And one of the writings from this time that survived was about Paul. And here's what those early Christians said. They said, this man Paul is such a delightful kind of fellow, we think he might be Jesus returned to earth. (laughs) That's a wonderful thing to say about anybody. They thought that maybe that Paul is really Jesus. He's come back already. Because he really was like Jesus in his kind and gentle attitude. So, about to give life instructions, he sweetens the pot. He makes them want to obey, if for no other reason than just to please them. And as they say, the old thing, the old adage, you attract more flies with honey than vinegar, right? Yeah. Verse 2, here we go. I beseech Odeus and Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. When we first started the book of Philippians, I told you we would get to know the church at Philippi, and maybe we'd even gossip about them. Here we are, gossiping a little bit. I don't know if it's gossiping if you read it in the Bible. But at any rate, there's two ladies, Odeus and Syntyche. I had to tell you those were ladies because you never heard those names before. Those are ladies. And uh, Paul says, please, ladies, please stop arguing and get along with each other. Now, you know, chapter 2 was written by Paul because the church at Philippi had a problem with arguing. Now we got two names, two ladies who were guilty, and Paul says, please, 
I beseech Odius, and I beseech Syntyche, get along. Now, we don't know what they were arguing about, but maybe there's a hint in verse 3. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. You remember the church at Philippi was founded by Paul, Paul when he discovered a ladies' prayer meeting down by the river at Philippi. And he went down there, met with those group of ladies, and from that group of ladies started the church at Philippi. Now he says, hey, everybody, help out, will you? Help out, cooperate. The ladies that helped to start the church need your help. Maybe that was the source of the argument, you know. Lots of work to do, not enough help. That can happen. So come in, he says, help out, take part, play a role, do the Lord's work. Busy people won't have time to argue. That's good advice. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. If I could say what the theme is for the book of Philippians, I would say that's it right there. At verse number 4, rejoice in the Lord always. He said it in chapter 1, he repeated it in chapter 3, and now he says, okay, let's get it now. Rejoice in the Lord, okay? Let me say it again. (laughs) Rejoice in the Lord. This is one of life's lessons. This is life advice for you. Rejoice. Got it? Let me repeat it. Rejoice in the Lord. You say, yeah, okay, we'll sing How Great Thou Art, and when we're done, we've rejoiced in the Lord. And it's over with, and we're finished. No, no, my friend. It goes much deeper than that. If I was going to try to explain to you what Paul meant, I'd have to put it to you in a question form. And here's the question I have for you to help you understand what it means to rejoice in the Lord. The question is, do you enjoy God? Not do you pray to Him. Not do you read His Word. Not do you sing happy songs or have a worship moment. The question is, do you enjoy God? God. You enjoy nature, right? You enjoy the flowers, the turning of the leaves. See the beautiful deer running through the fields, the singing birds. But do you enjoy God? The Bible says inside of us, we are naturally at enmity with God, or as humans, we have an attitude that says, I don't want God poking into my business. That was what we were born with. I pray if and when I need help. Other than that, I keep God out at a distance. And I often blame Him if something doesn't go right. Now He says, Rejoice. In the Lord. After all, 
Nobody knows me better than he does. I can talk to him in the middle of the night when everybody else is sleeping. He's always listening. He freely forgives me even if I fail him over and over and over again. We laugh together when we talk about my idiosyncrasies. <laughs> and if I feel miserable, I tell him. I tell God when I feel miserable. If I need help, I always ask him. I always got my hand out for more. He never turns away from me. I got to tell you, I enjoy his company. Like nobody else. I don't know anybody quite like him. I don't know anybody who's so open, so easily accessible, so approachable. I don't know anybody else like him who is never in a bad mood. <laughs> you come up to somebody and you check them out, don't you? I wonder what kind of mood they're in today. You never have to do that with God. Yes, I enjoy Him. So I rejoice in the Lord always. Life, hard or easy, I got a friend. Trial or blessing, He takes me by the hand, leads me along. So my friends, I ask you again, do you enjoy God? If so, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'm going to tell you, do it again. Rejoice again. Now verse 5. Another little rule. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Moderation, another word for it. Self-control. The sudden outburst. The violent reaction and behavior. Excessive behavior. These things aren't good for you. And they're not good for others. God is watching, he says, and he's going to judge you for such behavior. You say, but it's just my personality to once in a while lose control. Exactly. So change it. Get a hold of yourself. Life is much more peaceful if you don't blurt out your opinion. And nobody wants to see your temper. Control it. When people look at you, we shall want them to say, that person's got it all together. I think they must be a Christian. That does more good than volumes of books and mountains of tracts and hundreds of speeches. Let your moderation be known. Get a reputation for self-control. Here's another one. I have my father's Bible, and next to it in the margin is written something right here by verse 6 and 7. It says, these are my favorite verses, my father's favorite verses. Here they are. Verse 6, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now this is some very good 
life advice. He says, don't be careful. Maybe your Bible reads a little different. It might say, don't be anxious. What he means is stop worrying. Stop worrying. You say, some things in my life are difficult. How do you stop worrying about them? How can you not worry? Well, here's what he says. Pray. Take it to God. Supplicate, he says, which is to pray a little harder. Pray in earnest. And while you're at it, when you're praying, always say thank you to God. Tell God. Let him worry about it. He will take the load and carry it. Now there's an old story that comes out of Norway, which I suppose is why it got my attention. It's an old story told by an old Norwegian fella came out of Norway. It's about an older lady. Her name was Mary. And Mary walked, she lived in the country, and walked to the store to buy some groceries. And she packed all the groceries in a sack and tossed it up over her back and started walking down the road for home. As she was walking down the road with a sack over her shoulder, a neighbor came by with a horse and wagon. And he stopped and he said, Mary, I'm going right by your house, jump in, and I'll give you a ride. So Mary jumped into the wagon, sat in the back seat, and off they went. And during the course of their conversation, the fellow who picked her up turned around to look at Mary, and she was sitting in the back seat with that heavy sack of groceries on her back. And he said, Mary, why are you still carrying the groceries on your back? And poor Mary replied, I'm getting a ride. The least I can do is carry the sack on my back. (laughs) The wagon was made for carrying burdens. Certainly old Mary could have set the sack of groceries down. But that's kind of how we are. We ride in the wagon of salvation that God sent to pick us up. But we're still sitting in the wagon with a sack on our back. God's wagon is made to carry all our burdens. So put the thing down. Let him carry the weight. It's so much more sensible to do that. And it gives peace that he's described as beyond understanding. The world just can't understand our peace. Good. Maybe they'll want it then. Bill Barton died this week. He died thanking God for his life, for his family. And he said to John... You're jealous of me, aren't you? (laughs) He had perfect peace. Beyond understanding. And he came right to death's door. And was thankful for all that he had had. Right up to the day he died.
peace that passes understanding, that overrides the normal fears of life, even the fear of dying. My friends, that's the way to live life. So Paul gives us these useful bits of advice on how to live for Jesus. Let love be a drawing power that calls you to Jesus. Don't argue. Work together and help each other out. Practice self-control. Don't live from one outburst to the next. God is watching, so get control over your behavior. Enjoy God. For heaven's sakes, relax with Him. Enjoy His company. And stop worrying. Jesus said you can't grow one inch by worrying about it. Isn't that true? You can't get God's help by worrying. Pray. Ask for help. Then lay that burden down in the wagon. Live your life with peace. A peace that nobody else will be able to understand. That's good advice for life. My mother would approve. And so do I. Can you do it? Can you learn? Can you follow these simple instructions? I pray you can. I pray you will. Next week, controlling your thoughts as we go on for a little bit more of life advice. May God bless you for being here with us today. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful in our hearts that we can share together the Word of God, that it has good advice for us. We pray that we can learn to take these simple thoughts into our hearts and use them. Make the most out of them. Bless us, Lord, as we do those things. As we find those little simple answers to life's mysteries. Get hold of them and live for Jesus. Know that he loves me and I love him. And so we can work together for good. Bless us, Lord. Thank you for the folks that are gathered here today. Ask you bless them because they've been here at our service, wherever they might be. Bless each one, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Closing, I'd like to sing with you that old favorite song. They call it a children's song, but it's really not. It's for everybody. Jesus loves me. This I know. Turn on the front of your bulletin. Stand together as we sing, Jesus Loves Me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yes, 
Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Yes, Levi, to close in a word of prayer. Levi. Help us this day, Lord, to know how much you love us. No matter what we have done, wherever we are, Lord, help us to know that you have forgiven us. We pray that if we are carrying one of those burdens on our shoulder, even if we are in the wagon, that we would set it down. We know that you have the best for us, and you know you will take our burdens. You will hold our burdens and carry them for us. We pray that we would just enjoy being with you, that we would rejoice always in the Lord. We pray that our hearts would be glad to be with you. Take away those burdens and those guilty chains and the things that have hold us back and help us to know that you have touched us. We pray that if someone needs that special touch today, that you would reach down through the crowd and put your arm on their shoulder. May they know the joy that floods your soul. Thank you, Lord for being such a great, wonderful, and loving God to us. And we ask for your help as we go from this place. We thank you for this day, this beautiful day when we can come and worship and just pray that you'd protect us throughout the world, the places where we must go. Bring us back to this refuge, this place where we can be. Protect us and be with us. Watch over our country, our families, our towns, our cities, our state. Protect us, we ask, Lord, in a way that only you can do. Help us to know that you have been here this day. In your name we pray.